I just want to lift three verses out. We're doing our, our series on the Pentecostal flame, the baptism and gifts of the Holy Spirit. And this morning we're going to just speak solely on tongues and interpretation of tongues. This is the big one, isn't it, that everyone wants to know. And yet, and yet the gift of tongues is not the most important gift according to the Scriptures as we have already looked at. So this is part eight. There is a, I think it's a 16 part, is it 16, Andrew? Part series online. There's a 16 part series online. But this is, this new series we've done, this is part eight, I think, uh, that we have done here. If we just read a few verses, verses seven to 10. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Notice the Spirit manifests through Men, that is three people. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another divers kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Okay, so we've looked at Two groups of three, and this is the third group of three we're going to look at. This morning there will be two, and God willing, next Sunday morning we'll finish it. It'll be the ninth week, and it'll fit in with the nine flight feathers on each wing of the nine fruit of the Spirit and the nine gifts of the Spirit. So it'll be nine weeks. We'll try and finish it there. So whenever we're looking at this, we're going to look this morning at tongues and interpretation of tongues. We've already touched on it when we were looking at part one, if you remember the objection section, where there are the objections to the gifts of the Spirit in the church today in the 21st century. And we have looked it up, but we're going to look more into that this morning. So let yourself flick over to chapter 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10, to another divers or various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. These are the manifestation of the Spirit, remember. The manifestation of the Spirit. Now, let's read the first two verses of chapter 14. Paul says, follow after charity or love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man, knoweth, for no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. So now Paul starts to, if you want, expand a little in chapter 14 on these two gifts especially. And so we'll jump back and forward because it's the questions and then I'll have to pluck a verse out and go back again and show you a verse or two that it won't be all uh, run in running order. Um, and for example, in chapter 14 and verse 1, Paul says, follow after charity or love and desire spiritual gifts. The word desire is the word zelo in the original text. And zelo means earnestly desire. In other words, it means have a real warmth in your heart for the spiritual gifts of God. So whenever we are looking at this, we, we have to have a warmth in our heart, a desire for spiritual gifts. So now you ask yourself, don't be answering out loud, ask yourself, have you a desire for a spiritual gift? 
say, well, I don't know why I should have had or not, because we were told or we were led to believe they weren't for today. Well, Paul tells us to desire them. Have a warmth in your heart for them. He tells us not only that, but he says to earnestly desire is the rendering here. In verse 2, he mentions then, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. So now we're told that the tongue in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, when they all, 120, come out of the upper room, that you know, they were speaking in tongues, and because men heard them in their own languages, well, it was for foreign missionary endeavor as they went out. They were able to speak other languages. Now, I understand that can, has, and may even happen. But when you look at this, there are different kinds of tongues. And there are different ways to speak in tongues. Notice this. He says here, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men. So it's not a language. It's not another language. Where does he speak? But unto God. Does God need a, a language interpreted for him? Does God need us to, to have some sort of language where, where it's like French or German or whatever? The idea is that God's Spirit, we are connecting with the Spirit and speaking unto God through the Spirit. Now, notice this. Verse 4. Let's read 3 and 4. But he that prophesieth, we'll look at that next week, speaketh unto men. So the prophecy comes to men. And exhortation and comfort. So when there's prophecy, I don't want to go too much into it, prophecy is God speaking through men to men and women. Men means generic, men and women. And when we speak in an unknown tongue, that is in ourselves, and we look at the different kinds of tongues here, it is speaking unto God. It's praying in that spirit. Verse 4, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, builds up himself. So if I'm praying in my study, and I end up praying in tongues, I speak in tongues. In my study, I don't need an interpreter there because I'm praying in, unto God, and the Spirit is praying through me. And so it's not unto men, but it's unto God. But he that prophesieth edifieth the church. So the edification is for the church. Look at verse 5. I would, Paul says, I would that you all speak with tongues. Paul says to the church, I would that you all speak with tongues. And then he says, but rather that you prophesy, for he Pardon me, for greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret. So now we're finding that tongues and interpretation are a form of or on equal terms with prophecy. So Paul is saying that we have a tongue to worship, we have a tongue to praise, to pray with, to edify, to build ourselves up with. And then he says that you... And I, in here this morning, when the Spirit manifests through the tongue if with the interpretation of it, that's on power with a prophetic word. So we must bend our ear. And brothers and sisters, I, I've said this before. I'm not saying it to try and be crass or to try and be ignorant or, or, or hurtful. But do you see when the Spirit is speaking? 
you really need to bend the ear and pay reverence. It'd be nice to be in a place where the spirit spoke and there was one or two in particular. They just sat down, yawned, and looked at the watchman. This is biblical here. Now I notice we're going to look at people's characters and God working through them, God willing that we've went on a little in time this morning. In verse 5, so the apostle approves it. Look at verse 39 of the same chapter. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy. Oh, prophecy's done with. Paul says, covet it. And then he says, in verse 39, and forbid not to speak with tongues. Paul says, don't forbid anyone to speak with tongues. See that CET? I'm not going back to speak with tongues. Well, we're not wrong because the Bible says don't forbid it. Hello? So here, the word forbid is the word kuluo. If you want a, if you want a bad English spelling of it, it's K-O-L-O-O-O. And it means prevent not. Hinder not. And it comes from a root word that gives the idea of kolos, which means to... I don't think you're allowed to do it anymore. It's illegal here now. But remember, we used to dock the dog's tail. The wee stumpy tail they had for like boxers and Jack Russells or whatever. Well, it's the idea of do not dock off speaking in tongues. Don't curtail it. Don't hold it back. Don't cut it off. That's the idea of it here. And then it also means... Don't clip. And believe it or not, it actually gives the idea of clipping the flight feathers of a bird that it can't fly. So here, when we are talking about flight feathers of the dove, nine in each wing, and the nine fruit, the nine gifts, people are starting to, but don't like that one, and we'll clip that one off, and the bird's trying to fly with one wing. Just can't help. Such is the church. For example, let me give you, uh, in Mark 10 and 14, the Lord Jesus, you all know the story, he told the disciples when the children were coming to be blessed by him, he says, suffer the little children and forbid them not to come unto me for such is the kingdom of God. The idea here is, he said, don't tell them off. The disciples were saying, the master's tired, keep them children away, he doesn't want to be bothered with them. And the master, he says, don't you cut them off. Don't you clip their wings. Don't forbid them to come to me. And there's, a, there's a, a, a lesson for all of us. We can get so religious in church, we think a child has to be a certain age before they get saved. We get so religious that we think a child has to be a certain age before they hear from God. Before they get baptized in the Spirit. Jesus says, don't you dare cut this off. Let them come to me. Remember, he is the Savior. He is the healer. He is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost, and he's the soon-coming king. The only one he hasn't fulfilled yet is the fourth part of that. So then we have, um, for example, in Acts 16 and 6, Paul was going to go east to uh, evangelize, and we're told in Acts 16 and 6 that he was forbidden of the Holy Ghost. The idea is that the Holy Ghost cut him off from going east, and he went west because Israel went west. So you can see the idea. Paul says, don't clip off 
speaking in tongues. Don't dock. Don't hinder. Don't do it. In 1 Corinthians 14 and 5, tongues and interpretation edifies the church. I would that you all speak with tongues, but rather that you prophesy, for great is he that prophesieth, that he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret, that the church may receive edifying. So now tongues interpretation is to build your, your faith up. Every time there's a tongue and interpretation and it hits hard, hits home, the meeting changes. Do you ever notice that? The meeting, it, as it were, goes up a gear, it changes. And so we're told again in verse 26, let your eye run down. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine or a teaching, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation, let all things be done unto edifying. And Paul is saying here, you know, you can have psalms and where you're willing to do that. You're willing to have a teaching. We're having a teaching this morning. You know, we, we maybe some people just sing psalms or whatever. Reading psalms, teaching psalms. And he says some have the tongue, some people have a revelation, have an interpretation. But yet people would like to say, well, we can have the psalms and we can have the doctrine, but cut off the rest of the verse. But Paul says, look, it's, it's all done for edification. It's all still here. Okay, so... Listen, speaking in tongues is and was according to many uh, people or theologians, let's put it like that, or people who have heard from others. I've wrote a, a quotation from someone negative to it. So let me put it like this to you see the reasoning in it, okay? This is what they said about speaking in tongues. It was done by people, worked up into a state of hysteria and ecstasy resulting in a pouring forth of a torrent of uncontrollable sounds in no known language. Authors unknown. Okay, so now let's take that thought, okay, that this is a state of hysteria and, and ecstasy resulting in a pouring forth of a torrent of uncontrollable sounds. Remember that, okay? So 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 18, look what it says. Paul says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Now, let's put this to the test then. Will we say or will we claim that the apostle worked himself up into a state of hysteria more than anyone else? Will we say that he says, I thank my God I am madder than you all? Is he saying I, am, uh, I can work myself up hysterically with ecstasy and excitement and talk gibberish more than everybody else? Is that what Paul's saying? The answer is absolutely not. But that's what people tell us. What about the apostles? The day of Pentecost, 120 in the upper room, and the Spirit came and sat on them like cloven tongues of fire, and they began to speak with other tongues as, as the Spirit gave them utterance. So 120 come out, 9 o'clock in the morning, our time that is, come out about 9 o'clock in the morning, and they're all drunk on the Spirit. They were like, whoa, and they're all, I mean, last night coming out when we all had fun last night, I was keeping everybody going. We were all in and we were all had a great time of eating and a good, good fellowship. It was some great crack and a few games played and a few things sang and all of that sort of stuff. Not an alcoholic drop in sight. And yet when we all come out, we're just all so 
blessed up and loving it. Well, had a great night. She you thought we were coming out from one of the clubs. Yeah, it was great. We were shouting up the car park to each other and all, you know. Can you imagine these men then, filled with women, filled with the spirit? Listen, our Lord's mother was there. Was she in hysterical? It was very hysterical too. What about Peter? It was Peter then? Was he who worked himself up into an ecstasy? So it's how, you, how we look at it. People have their view of things before they experience these things. Not with an open heart. Not with looking to see whether these things be so, but plainly looking and saying, no, I've been told, or no, college has said, or whatever. So, with tongues we pray, we worship and we praise, and so much more. But it's a spiritual gift. It's not of the devil, but of God. It's not of the flesh, but of the spirit. And it's not worked up. It's not of perspiration, but of inspiration. Of inspiration. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 37, then Paul says these words, If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. So Paul is now saying, I'm going to set down rules. And the commandments of the Lord are this. Don't dock it off. Don't clip the wings. Don't forbid it. Forbid not. Covet, desire, spiritual gifts. The commandment of the Lord. So now we have to look at who's breaking the commandments? Who's breaking the commandment of the Lord? So look at this then. Let's look at verse 40. He says, Let all things be done decently and in order. Now, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I fully understand, and I mean that, I fully understand when we see things that are happening and they're online and, you know, people are waving their coats around and congreg- whole big choirs are falling, you know, this coat sort of stuff. Look, don't place me with that. Don't put me there. I believe God can do what he wants to do, but I don't believe he's going to make a a fool of someone. I don't believe he's going to have someone wave their coat around like some rag about their head as if they're some sort of special Superman-anointed person. It's nothing to do with the man. It's to do with the Lord. That's the difference here. Showboating is not the Holy Spirit. Anything Christ done, he done it in the quiet too. Even walking on the water, he went in the middle of the night, not during the day. So all of the showboating, all of this stuff where you see all these people and they're coming up and... Look, let me tell you something. I, I, I've had a, I went into a fit of laughter one time. I've, I love a laugh. But I have had people where they have shown me videos and sent them to me. And I'm sure you have seen them. And some people are just... They're looking at them and they're speaking something and they're making noises like monkeys and dogs. Now, I can't find that anywhere in Scripture. I cannot see it anywhere in the Bible. And sometimes the charismatic movement, I'm a Pentecostal because charismatics are also, you'll find in general, they're ecumenical. I'm not ecumenical either. I'm a blood-washed, born-again Protestant. 
I'm not ashamed of that. And Protestant in the right sense, I'm not talking about blue bags walking along the side of the barn, fall drunk, falling over myself. I'm talking about biblically protesting against all that's against the Word of God. So all these people doing this, don't, please don't put me in there. Because to me, it's not charismatic. I call it charismaniac. Because they just get on and they make a fool and a nonsense of the things of God. I told you before, I don't land people's graves that were allegedly men and women of God and try and suck up the anointing from the grave. Now, I, 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 I don't see that in Scripture except for a man rolling into Elisha's dead bones and rising from the dead. I don't see that either in Scripture, so don't put me in that either. I believe God will be God, and when God speaks, He speaks. When God moves, if God wants to put every one of you on your face, on your back, or on your tail end, he can do it. But I believe he'll do it in an order. He's not going to have you looking like some sort of fool. So please don't put us in there. Notice this. Notice what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 14 and 27. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, and, by, and that by course, and let one interpret. Now notice three things to write down here briefly. We're going to look at this first. You'll see the character, the character of this gift. Secondly, you will see the course of this gift. And thirdly, we'll see the concern of this gift. The character, the course, the concern. First of all, the character is who's involved? The course or the number, uh, so pardon me, the characters, the, uh, the people involved in it. Let's read it again. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most three. And that by course, let one interpret. Now, some have tried to interpret this where it's one to interpret and in an or tongue and in an or interpreter. It generally isn't like that. It's one interpreter for th- up to three uh, ministries and tongues, message given. Here's something to remember as well. People say the translation of that was like this or that. It's not a translation. That's a wrong word. Totally, completely nothing to do with it. It's an interpretation. A translation means interlinear word for word. Interlinear word for word. You know, bonjour, monsieur, you know. Hello, sir. You know, or I think that's what it means. And <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Anyway. You know, on your own side, that's all I know. So, sorry if any of French are watching, I apologize. I'm not trying to be facetious. Um, and, but it's, it's, that's interlinear, and that is not what this means. That is translation. Interpretation, um, we, it, may, it's, it comes from a word, hermeneia, in this instance. In this instance. And it comes from another word, another instance in the scripture, hermeneio, where there's some very, very similar words. And it's where you get the word hermeneutics from. If you go to a Bible college, you talk about hermeneutics. Anybody know what hermeneutics is? <laughs> Simply means it's the science of interpreting God's word. That's what it is. It's a, so when you're reading God's word and we interpret it for you, we're looking at it, here's what it is. You come to a Bible study, you're learning hermeneutics. That's it in a nutshell. 
And so when the Spirit speaks, the hermeneutic of it, or the hermeneutic of it is that God puts it in someone to interpret, not translate. To interpret is, here's what this tongue is. So it's not word for word. A tongue could be short, and the interpretation long, and vice versa. Okay? So I'm just trying to lay these down. I know time's going on, but I want to lay those down with you. So the first one is the number of persons. Now, sometimes I have seen where people had a message and they were to give it and, God, and they didn't give it and God gave it to somebody else. Because I was one of them. I was one of them. And that may happen, but generally it shouldn't happen. Secondly, we have the course of it. Paul tells us in verse 27, and that by course, let one interpret. That by course. This is why I believe it's most really for one to interpret. Because that by course isn't, I've, went, I've heard people where someone's given a, a, a message in tongues and someone hasn't interpreted and I've heard the pastor say, I'll give you the interpretation later on. No. By course means there and then the interpreter interprets. That's the idea of it. And then if another one comes, the interpreter interprets up to three. That's the idea of it. And then thirdly, the concern of it. The concern is this, if there's no interpreter, no tongue. No interpreter, no tongue. So the idea is too, by the way, if you have a gift of giving a message in tongues, you should not be using it in another church. Because you don't know if there's an interpreter or not. If you know the church and you're visiting, but you know them and you know the interpreters, well, then that may be a different case. So then we go to the interpretation. Verse 10. Chapter 12, pardon me, in verse 10. Chapter 12 this time, verse 10. So, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. Now, we've looked at that, how the interpretation is not a translation. But here's something to notice in this. The interpretation can never rise above the vocabulary of the interpreter. I'm going to say it again. I want you to get it. The interpretation can never rise above the vocabulary of the interpreter. What do I mean? It means God uses that man and woman who they are. They may not be well educated. Don't expect them to come out with a... a, a a posh accent if they have grown up in the back streets of Belfast. Their, their ways of speaking it may be different from yours, but it's God using that person. Don't expect them to come with Marty's in their mouth and speak all highfalutin to you. God uses the person, uses their character, and so it can never rise above the vocabulary of the interpreter. Look, I'll give you an idea quickly because time's gone. Listen. For example, Old Testament prophets differed in style, and God used that style. Jeremiah was more priestly, and so was Ezekiel. He was a weeping prophet, that is Jeremiah. Isaiah was more oratory and princely in the way he gives his interpretation. David was more poetic through the Psalms and so on. And Amos, he spoke to the northern kingdom of the house of Israel. He was from the southern kingdom of Judah. And Amos, you know what he was? He was a peasant. 
Can you imagine God sending a peasant from the southern kingdom to the northern kingdom to go into Ahab's palace to say, uh, excuse me, or into the palace, I should say, uh, to say to them, uh, thus saith the Lord? I'd be like someone coming up with a, a, a real back street Belfast accent. I'm, I'm a little refined, I'm told now, but it's still there. I'm told I'm a little refined. And can you imagine someone like the way I used to be? And I'm not saying anything against it, by the way. I'm not, it's just a have to be refined for people to understand me. Can you imagine how it would be if I walked up into Buckingham Palace to meet Her, Her Majesty the Queen? Can you imagine if I bow before Her Majesty and she says, well, uh, you know, what are you here to tell me? I'm here to tell you what the Lord says, you know. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> Belfast, you know. <laughs> But yet that was Amos. So God uses those men and women, those abilities, those where you grew up from. He's not going to change you to make you polite. Interpretation. Instead of a tongue, there has been interpretation of dreams. We think of Joseph. The Pharaoh's dreams, the butler's dreams, the baker's dreams. We think of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. He interpreted the handwriting on the wall, meaning 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 and Daniel interpreted the unreadable language. So then, tongues that don't need interpretation. Well, time's really flowing from me. Let me see if I can get one or two of these through quickly. In Acts chapter two and verse four. Acts two. And verse 4. So an extra five minutes won't hurt us this morning. It's cold out there. You don't want to go out too soon. And we're giving, the, we're giving the snow plenty of time to melt. You know, get the sun up a wee bit. Acts chapter 2. You know a friend of mine, he's a television program in the States. And I've been over speaking at conferences with him. And then another pastor came up from South Africa to the conference to speak a few, this is about 2013 maybe. And with his South African accent, my Belfast accent, and the Oklahoma sort of accent, it was really funny because we could both understand the American accent, but he had to really bend his ear to understand the South African one, and then really bend his ear to understand mine. And the South African and him were talking, and the South African said, I'd love to invite Ken down to South Africa to come to the conference for me. He says, but I can't. So my friend said, why not? He says, I wouldn't understand him. <laughs> <laughs> he just wouldn't understand him, my accent. So, Okay, let's look at this. Acts 2, verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There was no interpretation at this point. Then they come out, and that's when they heard. Acts chapter 10. Just briefly and quickly. Acts chapter 10. Let your eye run down. Verse 45. The Holy, verse 44. While Peter spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For he heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. 
So they speak with tongues and magnify God. They're not speaking and being translated into other languages. They're all together here. And there's any amount of them. There's no set number who can be baptized in the Spirit in one go. Acts 19. Acts 19. That's where I run down to verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. So here's, here's the supernatural of prophecy together with it. So you can see that it's not all as plain straight and plain sailing as people make it out to be. There's so much more in this. And I'm really just skirting around this now to try and close this up for you. So, speaking with tongues and interpretation, I hope that you'll get something from that. I hope that in that you'll find that God wants to give you more. God wants to speak to you more. God wants to use you more. Aaron brought a great word last Sunday morning, and out of that it was how God wants the church to rise, wants the church to stand up, wants the church to go on, but that can only be done through him. And we need, we need our flight feathers on each wing that we'll soar with him, that he'll work through us. Amen.